off-road cycling is what mountain biking is. And when done properly, is the same experience. It's extremely social. Uh, we're going to go out. We're going to climb steep things. We're going to stop at the top, take a lot of pictures of our bike leaning up against stuff that looks really cool. We're going to do it with our entire family, our entire group. And it's going to take as long as it takes. It's the hiking experience yeah. all over again. And that's what mountain biking is when told properly. And our industry gets it horribly wrong. All we show is the 20-year-old skidding tires yeah. and, like, chugging energy drinks. And it, it's just... Darn it, that is not the impression that I wish our industry would go after. Mm -hmm. Instead, it should be families riding their bike on, on the tannery ops, you know, on the green trails and stuff like that. Today on Doing Good, the podcast, leading a cultural shift, even on two wheels. You know, in some parts of the country, some parts of the world, bicycling is not only an accepted mode of transportation, it's one that's wholeheartedly embraced. I mean, go to Europe. Even large cities in this country, and you will see people getting from here to there on their bicycles and also getting around while getting some great exercise. And people accept it and they appreciate it. They make room for the people on two wheels. But in some communities, cyclists will tell you that they take their lives in their own hands when they hit the road. Traveling by bike is not that common, never has been, seemingly never will be. But today's guest did what most do-gooders do. He stared a negative in the face and saw an opportunity, saw a positive. You're going to meet Chad Wolf, the owner of Trek Bike Store in Johnson City, Tennessee. Today, you're going to hear how he really helped turn a specialty, kind of a niche business, into an agent for community change. He'll explain how the pandemic just accelerated how Appalachian community turned its love for biking into a reputation for it. And you're going to hear how his approach, his passion became a force for good in his new hometown. We think you're going to learn some real nuggets of wisdom today that could be applied as you do good where you are. Hi, everyone. My name is Susanna. And I'm Elijah. Welcome to Doing Good, the podcast where we and our parents talk about the good that's happening in our community and the people that are making those good things happen. So we actually just kind of sit here until we're told to talk, but we're actually the funny ones, so stick around and listen. Hey everybody, welcome to Doing Good, the podcast. Uh, we have a good episode today, so I'm here, I'm Elijah, here with Susanna, my dad, Dr. Becky. Uh, Who's so your dad? Jo Me. Josh Smith. It's actually I'm not my name anymore, Susanna's your dad. The father. Because <laughs> it's lame for us to introduce ourselves, right? Wouldn't you be his daddy? Well, I'm your daddy. Yeah. Okay, no, I that. Okay, hold on. I don't think that. Well, okay, no, no, forget. <laughs> Can't. Huh? Well, I. Well, how did we literally in the first fifteen seconds get something uncomfortable topic? Typical because I was say I I did not realize for some people that is a term now that I didn't even understand. Who's uncomfortable? Not me. I'm sorry. Am I missing something? I think so. Am I, I out of touch? Like, People have been saying, who's your daddy for decades? I, I know. I, I know, but I think it means... It's okay, I'm going to look it up on Urban No, don't Dictionary. Google it. You'll... It's re-emerged in a more sexual form. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. I'm doing good the, now. I'm doing bad the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dr. Becky demonstrates okay, how segway, out of touch segway, she is. Segway. Um <laughs> I have been there too, friend, and I've had people <laughs> under the age of 30 look at me and rolling their eyes going, uh, you know, so don't, I, no, don't, I'm really don't look it up. It up no. I gotta know. You'll, you'll, uh. Information is power. I gotta know. Okay. Well, segue. 
I don't want to do so it who again. Who likes riding bikes? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody like two wheels? Well, we are today going to talk to somebody who really does. And I, I do. And I was thinking about, as we think about biking, um, the times that I have been with our the Smith family and the, the uh, Digby Powers family have gone on these joint biking trips. It's chaotic. Oh, it's dear. chaotic. I know. <laughs> we told you not to look it up. Anyway, good grief. Oh, You've now dear. flagged Martin Market Street Media's... Uh, I don't think I can do the rest of this podcast. <laughs> You're excused. In it's the, fine. In the words of Susanna, who likes bikes? <laughs> oh, my. Okay, I'm See, stuck. this is proof that generational ignorance is a huge uh, issue. 100%. That, uh, yeah. Being yeah. old is a disease. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke. Okay. I, I don't know. You're alienating most of our listeners. And that's why I said it's a joke. That's yeah. This is our thing in our family, Elijah. Now we discovered this at dinner last night. You could say anything to a sibling as long as you follow up with the words. It's a joke. Oh yeah. Within the next, no, we like, had a discussion about that within the last two weeks yeah. at our table too. Okay. Like, yeah. Anyway, bikes. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Even if it's so, your seven-year-old sister. <laughs> Yeah, does, so before uh, the Tweetsie Trail, which uh, for anybody listening um, is this bike trail that was created in our area uh, on the Tweetsie Railroad track. It was just kind of sitting in the middle of town. It went in between Elizabethan and Johnson City. It goes much farther. Um, it goes through Doe River Gorge. It's, um, it's a very long um, railroad. But they transformed the part in between Elizabethan and Johnson City into a bike trail. Um, does, was anybody around here even biking much before the Tweetsie Trail? <laughs> trying to That's even a think. good question. We've, we've always been a biker family at our house. Um, we would, when the kids were little, especially, yeah. we would we would bike a lot with them. And um, you know, one of the things my husband wanted when we first started having children was one of those bike seats that um, sits on the handlebars of his oh, bike. Oh yeah, yeah, we had one of those. So all the girls went through the handlebar, sitting on the handlebar of the bike. And then when they were too big for that, um, they would go on a tag along on the back of his bike. And my husband used to get a lot of attention because when we would ride our bikes because he'd have Susanna on the tag along and he'd have Katie, our, our second child, in the seat on the front of his handlebars. Mm -hmm. And where were you? And I was riding my own bike and I was usually about 200 yards behind him because I'm not <laughs> sipping I'm a not bubbly and yeah, checking your phone. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but then he really drew a lot of attention. He used to enjoy wearing the girls in at one of those kind of wrap, um, baby carriers mm -hmm. on his back. And so he would, he really garnered a lot of attention when Susanna was seven and we were on a long bike ride. And so she'd still be on the tag along. Katie, who was about four, would be in that bike seat on the front of his bike. And then Millie, Millie the, the baby, back. would be tied to his back. <laughs> Great. And here you are. And here I am in the bag, <laughs> sipping my bubbly, going, you go, baby. I'm like, um, yeah, but people really like to stop and stare. When He's he was not an that. attention grabber. I, I, the, the he picture wasn't doing it for not, attention. No, he, he was, was doing it because he enjoyed um, having... Having that sort of um, bonding experience yeah. with them when he was riding his bike, and um, I think Elijah's <sighs> point's a good one. That, but pri not too long ago, where we live here in, in, mm -hmm. in Northeast Tennessee, 
it was there there weren't a lot of places no to go, there right? wasn't we would go to Irwin you know Irwin to had their trails. linear trail there um before we did and Kingsport has their green belt mm-hmm. um and then we would go up to the creeper trail the and, Virginia creeper trail yeah That's the Virginia creeper trail place. up in Abingdon Damascus and then um you know, we would just get on our bikes sometimes and just ride around the parking lot at like the Elizabethan High School and those places. That sounds fun. Susanna, that sounds uh, awesome. I think the Creeper Trail has always been the best. I've been biking 17 yeah. miles in one day for over a decade now. Yeah. So we, um, but then also bikes have always sort of f- featured into our vacations in some oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Well, like this last week, we were on vacation um, on the Outer Banks, and the house it was like I don't know, it was weird, but um, it was kind of miraculous type weird. We opened the garage at the house where we were staying, and there were five bikes, and they were all the right size for us. Oh and it was my a little gosh. spooky. It was like there was one, you know men's bike that had the bar going across it. The rest of them were women's bikes that didn't have the bar. Welcome to the vacation. And then they were the right size. And I was just like, okay. Uh, So we did bike to the beach a few times while we were there. Susanna, you mentioned the creeper trail. Is that like one of your favorites of all the biking trips you've been on? Now, because you, you don't say have to do seventeen any work mi- for the majority of it. <laughs> okay, just tell, explain why. Because for maybe somebody who's never been, it's, why is seventeen miles do it? No, I mean for I've been, I've been with you. Okay, of course. I have crashed and out and burned That's on that right. trail with you. That's Remember right. that? You broke a rib. I'm. <laughs> I love the creepy. Don't trail tell our guest that when he comes in, by the way. Oh, that you broke I, I think it never gets old. I think it's gorgeous. You know, there's different segments of it in my mind. You start and you're kind of in the woods, especially in the fall when you see the leaves changing. Mm. It's my favorite part. It's downhill. Oh yeah. We've never done really, it. Really, really fast. Then there's like a part in a grassy field. There's a part where there's some like houses and restaurants. You know. I don't think it ever gets old. I think yeah. so too. It has a little bit of everything. If you want to see the mountain area, um, it's a good way to experience kind of all the different terrains that you can see in this area. It, it, it is really good. I haven't seen it during the fall though. But then, you know, there's bike trails, which is the Creeper Trail, the Tweetsie Trail. And, and I think that's what we're seeing in our area. And for the kind of the first time in my lifetime, we're seeing this like embracing of the bike culture where people who never, ever, ever would have... You, see, you the, of course, the Digby Powers are into biking, you know, because I can. That's it's outdoors, it's family, it's on the go. You're getting it, but I mean, my family growing up, the grownups did not have bikes. We had, we had a pickup truck, and that's and we, we it just wasn't part of our culture. And you did not see people riding along the road. It's tough though to ride along the roads here, um, not only because there isn't space. Right, they don't make room for the bicycles, but it is so hilly here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like a doubt. nice, smooth, flat ride. But it, but you've been to Europe. When you go to Europe into hilly places, there are people on bicycles everywhere. It's part of their culture, yeah. and yes. I feel like it's kind of becoming more and more a part. And do you think that's true or not? Like, are you seeing more your drivers now? Do you see people on bikes more and? On the roads I see and... more people on bikes when we go on vacation. In the area, I really don't see a lot. I think the Tweetsie Trail is utilized. Because, yeah. yeah, because we have these trails. In places that you don't have trails, it's more common to see people on the road. But 
why would you go on the road in this area if you can uh, you see like the really serious cycle like you know the people that are using like the thin tire ones that you can't really go on the tweets trail for mm-hmm. but um another thing in this area that branched out after the tweety trail is a separate type of biking which is mountain biking yeah uh, which is kind of a new thing around here but um we just got an area in johnson city uh called tannery knobs and it's it's one of the most it's one of the premier mountain biking trails and i know in this area i think it's in like this larger region as well and who would have thought it people are coming from like everywhere yeah well i I, i'm a little confused about tannery knobs we've not been up there (laughs) because that's not really the style of biking that we do but we I, i thought it was just like the the artificial like um Pump tracks. Concrete, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The X Gamer type things. Um, oh, some no. <laughs> some of it. But there's mountain bike trails. Yeah. Like what we saw when we went up to Snowshoe. And yeah, we were, basically, basically we're pros at it. But yeah, <laughs> you go back to July, just cruising down Snowshoe Mountain, eating the dirt a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, do people wear their safety gear up there at Tannery? Oh, yeah. If you're not stupid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you can really get in some trouble. And I'm fascinated by the fact that um, sci- here in uh, Johnson City, Science Hill and Liberty Bell have um, have mountain bike teams now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're so from, and they're, Those have been around. But we don't have one in Elizabeth then. <laughs> that might change. That Maybe. Change. Chad, uh, Chad Wolf is going to, I think, help us understand sort of this idea of the sort of the, the shift from a, a community that just honestly bikes were for very, 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 they weren't that often utilized right. to now people own bikes. More and more garages have them. They're out and about. It's more accepted. It's more embraced. Sure. It's, it's not as novel. It's more universal. I'm trying to think about a vacation that we've had as a family where we didn't ride bikes. Can you think of anything? Hannah? <laughs> New York City. <laughs> yeah, but Daddy and I went to New York City last year. It was a year ago this week, really, and we did rent bikes and um, ride around Central Park. The lake. Ecuador. <laughs> the lake. J- lake James. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, I wasn't thinking of that. And yes, we did not ride bikes in Ecuador. But super cool, Our uh, my brother-in-law, who lives in uh, Quito, Ecuador, um, just put some pictures up on... Um, Instagram and he and what they do is they close off one section of the highway down there mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings and you can <clears throat> excuse me uh oh yeah sorry <coughs> cough button <COVID> alert. <laughs> yeah I'm having a slight mucus situation but um allergy related <laughs> yeah yeah um, but I, but they closed down a section of the highway on Sunday mornings and people go out on their bicycles on I the love highway. That. I love that. Yeah. In Quito, Ecuador. And if you want to see someplace with some serious elevation changes, you should go see Quito, Ecuador. They embrace it. Mm, so it was, um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, I want to ride my bike down the highway in Quito. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited to hear from Chad because I feel like he's going to sort of help I think for him, it's about way more than a business. It's about way more than just a bike. It's about an idea for a community of being active, healthy, and even doing it as a community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it brings people together, mm-hmm. which just seems counterintuitive. You're on a bike by yourself, but mm-hmm. it, I, 
you've seen uh, i don't know you guys have seen the taco track they do in johnson City, yes i can't wait to hear more which, about the you taco know, track it's a little bit off i think with the pandemic but but hopefully we'll return in 2021 if it you know and, i thought and, they were doing it in the they fall. may still be i don't know but i mean it's just it's unbelievable you you you're it, and i know i won't try to define it we'll let him but you know you're, you're just you'll see this army of hundreds of people mm-hmm. just driving to, on the middle mm-hmm. on the middle of the week mm-hmm. and they're enjoying food and mm-hmm. and adult beverages and kids beverages and well they're not enjoying adult beverages while they're on the bike at the very end i think there <laughs> right. might be you know some celebratory yeah and bobbing but yeah, yeah it's just this bringing I'm pretty of sure people it's not together good to enjoy adult beverages when you're on your bike <laughs> It helps you get over the anxiety of being in biker shorts. Probably. You know what really helps get you over the anxiety of biking, though, is an e-bike. Oh, yeah. Have you ridden yeah. an e-bike? No, I never have. We rode them through Central Park in New York City last year. That's, That's a, the way to go. Yeah. Well, I yeah. don't know what that is. is that like I think a... one one big thing about all of this is that, um, and, and it has to do with um, Chad and what they're doing, is that as more and more biking opportunities came up, the demand for bikes and bike-related stuff has also skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's along the lines of what he's doing with Trek Bikes. And he was really the first one to kind of lead that um, wave of people, um, is that if you have bikers, you also have to have people that are... Willing to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like shoppers and consumers. Well, I'm excited to see uh, to hear what Chad has to say about about uh, the business and the um, and, and the customer base that's growing. Because one of the things that I thought was fascinating is during the pandemic when everybody was you know thinking that nothing was going to stay in business. You remember that? Remember, like at first we were all panicking about, and then we begin to realize no, actually there are some areas of the economy that are thriving. I have heard that Trek Bikes is doing amazing business. And part of the reason why is because people are hopping on their bikes, you know, and they're and they're they're doing what you're doing. So talking about Elijah, where they're, you know, they're they're walking in and saying, you know, I've got this piece of garbage that I've had in my garage. I'd like to upgrade, and they're dropping some serious money to have have good bikes. So uh, yeah, his business apparently is doing really really well. And, yes, it should. Uh, That's good to hear. That, yeah, and, yeah, and and has done even better during the pandemic. So anyway, it's probably time that we, 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 we step aside and say hello to Chad, isn't it? So then let's just go ahead and bring Chad in on the conversation. Bring in the hostage. Hi, Chad. How are you today? Morning. Great. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Anytime. The commute was uh, atrocious. So yeah, we had like <laughs> Traffic was bad. It was. Yeah. yeah. Um, as it often is here in um, beautiful Johnson City, Tennessee, but um, for the for the readers, um, we are here today with Chad Wolf, who is the owner of the Trek Store in Johnson City, and we wanted to talk with you today because we um, so appreciate how the culture is shifting, and we're seeing more and more people embracing bicycling um, for their commutes and for recreation. And we thought you would be the man to talk to as the person who's sort of leading this cultural shift. So we're super excited to have you here today to chat with us. I think that w- that's it's it's kind of an indisputable fact that you're at the lead of this. Uh, well, thank. I'd like to think so. I'd uh, like to. Uh, think that our efforts are noticeable when we put in those types of time. Um, 
Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, when we came, we guess, geez, it's been six years now, I think, since we came to Johnson City. From where? Uh, from Chicago, uh, which is a horrible place. No, um, I love Chicago! <laughs> it snows all the time. Everyone's very mean. No, it's it's, it's a very different lifestyle in those yeah, types of worlds. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, my wife and I spent, you know, 30 years there. We didn't know any different. So it, it's a great city. It's... Uh, but uh, big city, so you know the level of impact that you're able to have was not easy um, in those types of markets. So um, you know when we came to Johnson City, and again, think six, seven years ago, you came Johnson to City Little was, Chicago. I know, which was super ironic, and I, I wish I had known that ahead of time, but I didn't. Uh, unfortunately, I discovered that much after the fact. But, uh, you know, seven years ago, Johnson City was a totally different place. Um, even where our building was, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was vastly boarded up warehouses. In fact, ours was. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite stories of when we saw the building the first time, there was a miscommunication on which floor we were interested in. So there was actually a big pile of dead pigeons that were swooped into oh. the bottom <laughs> because we didn't know that's the one Welcome we were looking at. Johnson so. City. <laughs> exactly. Home of the dead uh, pigeons. Right, right, right. <laughs> But the appeal has always been, from a cycling perspective, of it's just where geographically Johnson City is. We are surrounded by arguably some of the best uh, cycling opportunities in the world. Um, and it's like Johnson City never knew that. Um, we, we didn't realize where we were from places like Pisgah, which is a, you know, people say that like it's a town. It's an 8,000-acre national forest. It's not a city. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're referencing kind of that East Tennessee, West North Carolina bubble mm-hmm. of the mountain ridgeline. So we found that as this blank slate um, to be able to have hopefully the impact that we now have, you know, six years ago of, of help truly kind of just creating our own cycling culture as opposed to piggybacking off an existing one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not one. I mean, I, 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 I shouldn't say that definitively, but from my perspective, there really was not a much of a biking culture in this part of Appalachia. It, there were bikers. They were here. They, but they were, they, were, they were very much in the minority and looking for support. Do you think that's a fair assessment of six, seven, eight years ago? Yeah, it's putting a very nicely way on it, too. And you know, you're always <laughs> going to find the enthusiasts. It doesn't matter where you go. You'll find kayakers in Chicago uh-huh. uh, who, who travel to go do these types of things. So you're always going to find those people. They're always there. But when you get the, the mass, mass majority of people who are now adopting a, a specific culture... Uh, that has to kind of be created. You have to create the opportunities for it. Uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. I hate how many times I reference Arkansas, which no one ever has as an amazing thing to go do anything. Um, <laughs> that's where Walmart is. is, is isn't that's it? exactly what yeah. it is. Yes, and honestly, that's that's where the rest of that story goes. But um, you know, the Walton family had a huge problem. Uh, it's going back almost twenty years ago now. No one wanted to live in Bentonville, freaking Arkansas, um, <laughs> let alone relocate their families to mm-hmm. it. So no one wanted to work from the corporate entity. So they were paying something like three times the national average to more or less bribe people to relocate to Bentonville, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And then as younger generations of the Walton family started to mature and have more responsibilities and choices, they thought this crazy idea, if we could just create a better quality of life in here, people would just want to live here and we wouldn't have to pay them so much. Right. We have to pay them, but maybe not such absorbent mm-hmm. you know, amounts. And God love them, they went after mountain biking. It could have been a hundred other things, perhaps. I don't really know what else it could have been, but they, they did that in a place that doesn't have mountains. And now Bentonville is easily one of the biggest mountain bike destinations in the United States. There are people who leave here, the actual mountains, to go mountain biking in Arkansas oh, uh, and I spend money and build their towns around that. my good friend, Dr. Jody Jones, has been going out yep. there. Yep, well, absolutely, she has, yes. no question. Yes, yeah. and she's... And- her son's on the mountain biking team Absolutely over like at Science it. Hill. Which is a thing. That was not a thing. Absolutely yes. not. Yeah, and, right. um, and they post some great Instagram content <laughs> about um, their trips uh, out there. And I was like, I was looking at her Instagram story and I was like, 
Arkansas. <laughs> no question. It makes no sense. Don't it you think doesn't. that's now happening uh, or, to tennis? You're going to Johnson. Yeah. You're going to go biking. <laughs> you know, the, for people in the other parts of the country, have mm-hmm. the same experience. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And you know, and uh, being from a Midwesterner, like no one knows, no one's ever heard of Knoxville before. And yeah. you know, people think here that oh, Knoxville, it's like the big city. Yeah. Never heard of it in my entire life. And if you have heard of it, no one realizes Tennessee goes past that. You're right. Figure, like, well, that's, that's East Knoxville. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I've always struggled with that too. Like it's not even East Tennessee. There's nothing wrong with Knoxville, but like there's a lot more Tennessee mm-hmm. before you get East. It's mm-hmm. like somewhere in a middle goopy part as far as I'd be concerned. Yeah. We live in the squiggles is how I always reference it to people. Um, <laughs> that's how you can see where we live. Uh-huh. So how, I mean, how did you get here? I don't uh-huh. understand. How are you in Chicago? You're working for Trek. Sure. You're with this national global brand. Yeah. And... And you're married? I, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And so one day somebody says, so there's this place called In the Squiggles. <laughs> in the Squiggles. I'm called Johnson City, and we want to open a store there. Because I remember when I heard Trek was coming. Sure. I'm thinking, what? What's next? Trader Joe's? <laughs> well, you working know? on it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but how did that happen? Yeah, uh, long story. I mean, literally summing up the last seven years of my life in you know, five minutes. But um well, in the simplest form of the story, Trek stores like ours, we think we have over 200 of them now. There's a, there's a lot of Trek stores, but thousands of dealers who sell our products, and they do all, an amazing job. It doesn't have to be a Trek store like ours. Obviously, different amenities come with a Trek store, um, meaning we have this nationwide brand to kind of support the level of uh, advocacy and beyond that we do. T-shirts. Yeah, oh, T-shirts. Really great T-shirts, <laughs> exactly. So uh, Hoodies. Uh, Trek is privately owned, which is very rare. A guy named John owns Trek. Oh, really? It's not um, publicly traded? Nope. Mm-hmm. And that is a unique story because John's dad, Dick, started Trek back in the 70s. So mm-hmm. we're talking a Midwestern American success story mm-hmm. of a person who started a company who got bigger mm-hmm. and the same family not only owns it but still runs the brand that's mm-hmm. almost unheard of in the united states so that's a really cool story mm-hmm. and because of that trek can do things because we're not necessarily answering to just like a board of directors okay, right, right, right. you can make the right decision the good calls um without necessarily i mean spreadsheets matter mm-hmm. we're all in business businesses are supposed to make money those are not bad words mm-hmm. but you can do more things that are just the right thing to do so when the opportunity becomes like we should open a trek store Where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. I mean, you can't just pick any city in America. It has to make money. It has to be viable on so many different levels Mm -hmm. than just like, I like it there. Right. So honestly, you know, Trek gave us a hot list, my wife and I, and was like, these are all the amazing towns you're going to open tomorrow and you're going to make billions of dollars. And the list was terrible. There was like Oklahoma City was on there. Like, I'm not, I'm nothing against (laughs) Oklahoma. Nothing against Oklahoma. (laughs) I grew up in the Midwest. I cannot go worse midwest i just not gonna happen and it was like uh, <laughs> the worst midwest. well and there was uh worse we, than chicago oklahoma city i, I, just, I have some know. listeners in oklahoma city i'm sure it's a beautiful place we love you and it we is actually you. great for biking because I'm it's sure pretty it flat i'm sure it is no question <laughs> well and then uh like duluth minnesota was on there and that kind of made it into like our our top five list Ooh, cold. i was uh very cold very yeah cold. chicago you love you duluth cold? Duluth. Yeah, and Duluth was amazing. Uh, it really was. And yeah, no, I was fortunate. Nice. Uh, one of my childhood friends uh, became a pilot much later in life. So college was awesome, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Uh, having access around. to that. But still, like, we got to actually visit all these places and really spend time there. Um, and we went to Duluth, and it was a beautiful part of the country. Mm-hmm. But seriously, like, I just couldn't live there. Right. We, we grew up in the Midwest. Now we're going to a place that snows literally eight months out of the year. And mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense for our livelihood, which also mattered to us immensely. This is a lifetime move. You don't get to do those very often. And then we went to Berkeley, California, um, which was cool. uh, But like, I don't cost of living. Well, I don't 
fit like my employees oh, would not, not be Berkeley able to live guy. there. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't. We our employees would live forty five minutes away, yeah. and we're not going to connect with that community. That's just right. this is not our our thing. So we tried a lot of places, mm-hmm. and none of them really stuck. And after a while, we just tore up the list and said, you know what? I've got a great job. I love the brand and company that we work for. Like I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. Um, and then uh, my wife and I actually came to mountain bike in Pisgah because it is this world famous word that gets thrown around as as if it's a the city. The Pisgah National Forest, no question. Right. These, uh, in 2015, more uh, cyclists and paddlers actually visited Pisgah than Yellowstone, and that's not even including the hikers. So we're talking in a massive destination, mm-hmm. top five mountain bike destinations in the world. It's very remote, extremely rugged, right. um, and we like most people, booked a place in Asheville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and then drove 45 minutes every morning to go ride the trails. Right. And I was like, why the heck are we in Asheville? Like, we're nowhere near the trails. I mean, we are, but we're no further away than any place else. Mm-hmm. Right. It just wasn't, it didn't make any sense on why that city has just claimed this area as their own. They have very good marketing. That's really mm-hmm. all there is to If you look at Asheville, and no, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Asheville. Asheville's an amazing town as well. I love all these towns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was just this, they just said, we're near it and that'll work. And then everybody was like, cool, that's the town that has all these trails. You would swear that you could just, you know, mountain bike right in the middle of downtown Asheville. And, and that's not necessarily true in the right. way that it's marketed. Not so, unless you want to take your life in your hands. <laughs> so then we drew a bubble and kind of found what were the next bold letter cities that were near these areas mm-hmm. that weren't really any further away and had more of a de- developmental opportunity. Because again, as a, as an entrepreneur, we love a challenge, right. but there's a realistic challenge, and then there's just bad bets where you're trying to carve out a market of 45 other bicycle stores. It just doesn't make any sense, and it's very expensive to live in those markets. Right. So real estate would have been terrible. Everything about it was just wrong, and, and we didn't, again, really fit in with the culture there and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we found Johnson City. We, we canceled our hotel there so long before Airbnb and then went to another hotel in Johnson City. Um, and it was funny because this is like February, so in the Midwest, world has ended you yeah, know at that right. point no one leaves their house and even down <laughs> here like we came down in february and it was like this is great weather um but it had snow and i'm using air quotes you can't see but uh <laughs> i mean it was like there was a guy in our hotel the next morning that was brooming the snow because like you don't have a snow shovel or anything like that it was <laughs> broom, you know? unnecessary and no one had left their house and we're like we've made a horrible mistake no one's here there's no humans out and then like, you know it turned well 50 that's because degrees. if there's this much right. snow nobody's over. going yes. anywhere and i'm blissfully unaware of what that's like to be not there anymore <laughs> But uh, it turned 50 degrees, you know, 10 minutes later and people emerged from their homes and like, okay, maybe this is going to be a thing. Um, But my favorite story about how we found Johnson City, I've got a billion of them, as you can imagine. I owe it to, we owe it, we all do, to Dunkin' Donuts, uh, the one just right off 26 here. Oh, yeah. Uh, But it was just on our way out of town uh, on one of our first visits that was down here to like really kind of scout the area, grab Dunkin' Donuts on the way out of town. And, uh, you know, this is a weekday it's 6 a.m., whatever, at a Dunkin' Donuts. And I order a coffee, and the woman notices that I don't have – I have a weird accent. My wife is a hardcore Chicago accent to use guys kind of thing. Um, <laughs> no question. You can make her say fun words. Uh, but clearly picked up that we're definitely not Southern no matter what. You're not from like, around here, are yeah, you? That's really what it was. <laughs> and ironically, I mean, who, no one has Southern accents here. I just assumed everybody had this hardcore, slow Southern draw, and oh, I mean, nobody in this room even no. has it. So. Mm. All imposters. We but can do it. We can fake it. If we can do it. it. Yes. So I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I order a coffee. She says, hey, you're not from around here. And I said, well, you know, we're thinking maybe investing in this town and, you know, bicycles and whatever. And that turned into like a 20-minute conversation. She was advocating for the town. It's like, oh, well, next time you come in. And she apologized for the weather. I'll never forget that. I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's been gloomy. But I promise <laughs> it's usually sunny. Oh, and wow. like, you've got to go here. Have you gone to Ridgewood Barbecue before? Because like, no one's going to tell you about that. But like, it's such a cool place. And this and that. This is literally just the woman at the 
the Dunkin' Donuts checkout wow. was advocating on behalf. And I found nothing but people like that. Yeah. And I like to think I'm now part of that yeah. community who truly believes in everything that we have available to us here in Johnson City. And that's where the success has grown so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so I went back and said, guys, I'm smarter than everybody. I know exactly where Under Trek should list. be. It should be in this town you've never heard of before, you know, in the, in the belly of the Appalachian Mountains. And here's why. And that was not an easy pitch. Um, but obviously, we got through that at a certain point, and now it's been, well, I'd say unmeasurably successful, but that is, you can actually measure success pretty easily. So, yes, it has been successful. That's amazing. Uh, we've exponential growth, you know, over the last five or six years, uh, doubling and tripling every year beyond. Um, and, you know, we have this amazing staff that we've been able to kind of cultivate beyond that. We have a lot of them gone on to do other amazing things inside our company, um, but really become those advocates as well of telling the story of why we're here. So when customers come in, you know, they get portions of this story of why we're here, why you want to buy from us. We want to be your favorite bicycle brand and store. You know, the best is a hard thing to come by. Um, you know, this is my favorite watch. Um, I can say that and you can't denounce it because it's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, you can't denounce anybody's favorite. It's a feeling. It's something that I like. If I said it's the best watch, you could come up with 12 reasons on why it's not and mm -hmm. yours is better. But that's just not true when I say something's our favorite. And that's really the easiest thing we've ever done is what would it take to be everybody's favorite version of what we do? Um, and we've been able to be really successful. It's such a simple idea. Because I love that. Johnson City is our favorite to bring it full circle. And when I go in your store, I can see how you're, you mean, you, you're the favorite. I can't, what I'm amazed though, and what I don't still get is how you were able to like become, go from really a specialty business entrepreneur, business owner to like this, the dude at the front lead with carrying the flag and leading this sort of community, shift yeah, because I, I grew up here. I, I, I remember when very rarely did you see someone out on the road in a bike? There was no place that I knew of to go. Okay. I'm sure people were going off the sides of mountains around here in Pisgah, <laughs> but, but that's not something we did on the weekends. And within the last six, seven, eight years, it seems like now people own bikes. There are, very accessible biking trails. Sure. The Tweetsie Trail, which we referenced earlier, Tannery Knobs. So to walk us through that. You roll into Johnson City. There are the dead pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> and and you begin a conversation. Yeah. How did that start? Yeah. They, well, on the, the taco truck ride, of course, is, um, I mean, that's that's a cultural shift. That That's something most people assume is a community event. We don't realize it's like, that's 100% on it's our insurance. Track, like, yeah. that's our thing. But it's as, it's as integrated as any f music festival or other things would be. I, I really generally feel that way. And that's nationwide, if not worldwide recognition at this point. Um, it was even in the Trek catalog, um, you know, what, I think last summer or something like that. that that's an insane thing to get that much. Fine. Wasn't that it is. in Southern Living? Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah. been it's been an outside magazine. Mm -hmm. um, it's been in. I think still think the Trek catalog. It seems like we'd be biased for that, but like nothing makes it. So into you the have to tell people what that is. You drive around right. it. Yeah. So the Taco Trek ride is a thirty minute, not really about bikes bike ride. I mean that's all there is to it. Um, we we we. So the full story of the Taco Trek is is vitally important to why we've been successful. Mm -hmm. And and to your point as far as where Johnson City got this shift, because when we opened, we had to sell bikes. That is a selfish goal. That's what business is. Again, we need to make money. This is how it works. Um, so we did what everybody does. We did things like group rides. The problem was we would get the same six people to show up to the same old ride. And they, you know. They already had bikes. They were already cyclists. <laughs> Nothing was awesome about it. It was just kind of a thing that bikes do. And, and again, that was because we just thought, okay, if we connect with bike people, they'll eventually want to ride bikes. Um, 
But the problem we were having is it really wasn't developing any kind of customer base. We, we were just doing what the they old They already tries. have their bikes. You bet, absolutely. So we came up with this crazy marketing scheme. It was ridiculous. Uh, what would it take to get more people to believe in bikes? E- even if it was just half as much as what we thought, how awesome bikes were. Uh, and we figured the best thing we could do is just make the only requirement is that if you owned a bike, period, um, just do something like that. We, we always call it like kind of like your birthday ride. Like what would it take if every single person who came to your fifth birthday to go on a bicycle ride, what would that look like? I mean, totally reinvent the wheel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Uh, so we, we realized if we referenced distance, cause we would, so a cyclist, 25 miles is like a 5k, like that's a long ways. Most mm-hmm. people could probably do it. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel it the next day, mm-hmm. but you could, you could do it. Anybody could do it probably today. Not, not great, but we could get it done. 60 miles would be more like your half marathon or whatever. And a hundred miles, that's your marathon. It just takes more effort. Kind and of it thing. better be flat. Yeah. It's, it would be, it's <laughs> not in East Tennessee. All those numbers come down. down here. I'm like a hundred miles yeah. in East Tennessee, all flat. It's <laughs> yeah. like a circle. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, uh, with all those things considered, um, you know, what would it take to, to, to break down those barriers to what it would be? So we would say, would you ride 25 miles? And we got a resounding no. no. And we were like, oh, shoot, this is not good. This is no. what cyclists ride 25 miles. Right. Like, right, would you ride 10 miles? And these are like in simple surveys we'd send out to our first customers. Like, nope. Three like, miles. Oh, dear. <laughs> we have to sell bikes to people. Right. There are no bike people here. We are horribly wrong. Um, and then we got down to like five miles. Right. We're like, well, would you ride five miles? And people were like, nope. And I'm like, five? It's only going to take you like 30 minutes. At this minutes. point, you're going back to the Dunkin' Donuts uh, exactly. to find that like, woman. Who is this lady? <laughs> uh, so, but, so it was like, well, five miles, it's only going to take you like 30 minutes. I'm like, well, I would do that. I'm like, well, it's the same. Wait a minute. So you went time yeah, instead I was like, of distance. It was like this big just yes, click. Yeah, where, think about it. I mean, again, when you go hiking, like I don't really... Most people probably don't even know the mileage. They probably should. You know about what you're going to do. You're just going hiking for the day. That's the experience. It's going to take as long as it takes. I need to get back to let the dog out at a certain time or whatever. You have some level priorities, but you're not really watching the clock on it kind of thing. So we're like, well, heck, we might be onto something here. So we started advertising it as a 30-minute bicycle ride, um, which most people can ride a bike for 30 minutes, period. Uh, But then all kinds of rules had to come into play. Didn't need to have any big hills. Absolutely needed to connect our community. We didn't want to like meet at some offshore parking lot and then go do... I don't know, trails. It didn't bring you back someplace. And there needed to be a reward. If you ask your kids to clean their room, it's not going to happen. Right. But if I say, all right, all right, do this, and then I will give you $100. They don't even hear that part. It's just the $100, $100. part. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm in for the $100, whatever yeah. it takes. We need rewards as adults, too. I don't care if it's ice cream or whatever it would be. Luck would have it. Uh, Jesse from Holy Taco is a good friend, a good customer of ours. And I like tacos and beer. I wish there was more to that, but there really isn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you said, there was an adult beverage involved. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I like, but you said it was while they were riding. And I'm like, yeah. pretty sure it's, no, it's not after while you they're ride. on the bike. Uh, yes, after the ride. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was more or less starting and ending in our store. I mean, that's as close as you can possibly get. It's below here, practically, right. where we're at today. So um, we had this formula for like anybody could do it. If you own a bike, you're in. Like that's the only qualification for it. And we learned all kinds of stuff, like uh, eight miles an hour. That's the speed. We actually put a speedometer on the lead bike. Eight is hard. You have to put your brakes on, like going downhill at eight miles an hour. But that's the terminal velocity of a kid on a 16-inch kid's bike. Like they can't go any faster than that. And you're just dusting everybody. It's not inclusive. If you're dusting all the people with kids, kids right. don't get to do group rides, but they should do group rides. That's right. a, a the first checkbox into this lifelong like cycling love that develops culture around why people like to do a thing. So we did the taco track. It grew and grew. And I mean, geez, at the end of last year, well, we have police escorts. They right. shut the streets down for it. And yep. we're talking four, 500 riders. It's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's a thing. It really is. We used to well, it goes right by the studio, too, in goes, the evening. Uh, and I had no idea what it was the first time I saw it. And I thought, <laughs> what is going on? There was so this true. army of... 
And you know, Chad, the thing that I think truly to me says that it is a cultural shift is now what I'm seeing are not just these people that look like you, who <laughs> look like they're you know in their 20s and healthy, and they actually look decent. I'm in those none crazy of those shorts. I just want to point okay, that well, out, you but... <laughs> seem like it. You fake it well. It's people that look like me, or yeah. and people who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s, and people who are like wearing their pleated khaki shorts, you know, and they don't. They're they're it's so open and so everybody. It was so and, smart. Yeah, it's the inclusive so nature. And it's not just the taco trek. No. It goes to Tannery Knobs, which we have to talk to you about that because this is a this is a mountain bike park in the middle of Johnson City. Before it opened, I'm standing on top of it talking to the mayor of Johnson City. And I looked at her and I said, what in the world is going on here? And she said, there's this guy down at Trek Bikes. <laughs> and he's really been a huge part of, and I'm going to get it wrong, Sorba, is that right? Yep, yep. Working with... Please get us there because we're running out of time with you. <laughs> sure. And I just want to make sure we we sort of get to that point where we talk about how it goes beyond just an event, beyond yeah. just a store to like this regional thing that's happening that's about wellness and community. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, and the, and the taco truck ride is why this is a perfect version of that story because that proved people will ride bikes if given the opportunity. Undeniable, 400 people riding through the middle of town, like that gets attention. Can't and you need it. some level of leverage, if you will, to come up with all these other crazy ideas. If we build one soccer field that never gets used, we will never build another soccer field again. And no one can fault anyone for voting otherwise. It's just an inappropriate use of resources. So we constantly have this revalidation of all these new infrastructure that we build cycling alone. So... With the success of the taco truck ride, with the success of the Tweetsie Trail, we can't blow past that, of course, either. The massive infrastructure, but bike paths are almost like, like you're expected to provide those now. Like mm -hmm. bike paths are sure. just green as belt. green as anything mm -hmm. you build. You have your, your gas stations, you have your churches, you have your parks, and you have your bike path. It's just a line item now, and mm -hmm. you're expected if to If you have this. an unused railroad track, yeah. you should be making a bike trail. Yeah, damn well better be, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not quite as sexy as they used to be, mm -hmm. but natural surface trails are because, you know, the roads, so the, the road industry has evaporated over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. The Lance Armstrong bubble popped. Um, you know, an American wins something that they shouldn't win. Everybody gets very excited about it. Well, and if you've been doping. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, well, we'll Back to the good part of it. Uh, when you say the road industry, you mean the road bike industry. Yeah, it just the, yeah, it's a small, small wheel. Yeah, you know, riding on the road now is crazily seen as the dangerous activity. Right. All these horrible things you can do to a mountain bike or what happens to you on a mountain bike. It's like, at least I did them. Right. On the road, it's, it's very different. It's uncomfortable. No one's going to take their family riding on a road. It's just not going to happen. So we have to provide cycling specific bike paths are an easy way to do it. And the natural surface trails, which I would classify the Tweetsie as that. I mean, that's the most green entry-level mountain bike trail there is, or the Creeper Trail, for that matter. They're not paved. Right. And they're much cheaper because of that. Correct. So, And I think that's what makes, like in Chicago, we only have one tree, and like you're, you have to get an appointment to go see it. Like, we, we, we don't have anything <laughs> off-road. That's not that true. Way. I love Chicago. I'm struggling <laughs> well, here. And, o and Oprah owns it. So, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. It's yes. a great biking community in Chicago. <laughs> I have biked in Chicago <laughs> on the Lakeside Trail. And it was you paved, right? Yes. See? So there you go. Yes, that's but that is, the, and it is heavily used. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, so natural surface is a selling point. It's sexy. It's it's not paved, and that's something that East Tennessee, whether intentional or otherwise, just has. Even even our Tweetsie Trail, not paved. Mm -hmm. Very different experience to that. So, yeah. mountain biking. Um, as soon as I say that word, everybody just pictured what you had said, like this 20 year old, like hardcore mountain biker weighs how many bananas they eat in the morning before like they go out and like crush the climbs and all this rugged <laughs> stuff and use cool words like gnar and whatever else. Sure. That can be. That can be. That's a thing. But a vast majority of like hiking is off-road walking. That's what it is. Right. right. Um, and yeah, you're going to get dirty. You're going to step over things. Uh, it'll be more rugged. 
all that's going to be an experience, but you don't need to be like this pro athlete who hikes every single day to be a hiker. That's just off-road walking. Off-road cycling is what mountain biking is. And when done properly, is the same experience. It's extremely social. Uh, we're going to go out. We're going to climb steep things. We're going to stop at the top, take a lot of pictures of our bike leaning up against stuff that looks really cool. We're going to do it with our entire family, our entire group. And it's going to take as long as it takes. It's the hiking experience yeah. all over again. And that's what mountain biking is when told properly. And our industry gets it horribly wrong. All we show is the 20-year-old skid and tire and yeah. like chugging energy drinks. And it, it's just, darn it, that is not the impression that I wish our industry would go after. Mm -hmm. Instead, it should be families riding their bike on, on the tannering ops, you know, on the green trails and stuff like that. So you have to build these facilities and then market it appropriately to say, hey, hey, mountain biking isn't scary. Totally come check this stuff out. I promise you, you live in some of the best stuff in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And look at all this variety that you have, because I don't care how great tannery is. If that's all you ride, you're going to get bored. You need variety. You have to. You have to go all these other different places. Mm -hmm. So we build a facility like that, accessible from town. Uh, you're going to grow. We are going to grow. We are growing this generation of mountain bikers or cyclists who have access to all this stuff just because they grew up near it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they're going to continue to do these things and advocate on its behalf when it comes to national forest trails as an adult mm -hmm. or whatever it would be so their families can continue. And that is true culture at that point. That's why Tannery was such a vital just geez, a line in the sand for the development here in East Tennessee, mm -hmm. uh, because all the big backcountry stuff that's so remote that gets so much attention is spectacular, but that is for the 1% for the that hardcore. is just not everybody. So we need everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and its proximity to town is insane. It's mm -hmm. in the middle of the city it, of Johnson I, City. Even IMBA, which is the International Mountain Bike Association, who is in charge of the design and, and the build for something like that. Um, I mean, that's like getting the Olympic ring stamped on it. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't get IMBA easily. Um, and those are where the relationships with Trek and IMBA, mm -hmm. we were able to, you know, use that. It's, mm -hmm. That's why we put so much effort into these types of relationships. There is a give and take there. Um, so we were able to build not just mountain bike trails, but, mm -hmm. you know, this unbelievable, truly kind of one-of-a-kind Right off of the interstate, which we can't forget about something like that, mm -hmm. and an excuse where you can ride there every single day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, eight. I'm, I'm terrible at golf for many reasons. Uh, one of which is I don't have time to play golf very often. Mm -hmm. So if I play once a year, of course I'm terrible at it. Um, but it also takes too long. Like I need four or five hours, well, seven hours for me to play golf. It's a lot of time <laughs> to play golf. Um, so I'm not going to do it very often. Life is not going to afford me that luxury. And cycling is really the same thing. How often do I get to go spend nine hours in Pisgah and ride all day? It's just not going to happen. But I can ride a place like Tannery every day for yeah. 60 minutes. And maybe it's just part of how I stay in shape or healthy for the day. Mm -hmm. People, How many people run three miles a day would never call themselves runners, despise runners? I just do that to stay in shape. You're a freaking runner. You're yeah. a runner more than most That's people right. are runners. Um, and cycling is the same way. It's like, oh, I'm not a cyclist. But yet, you know, I do the taco trek every week and I ride the Tweetsie Trail three times a week with my family and I love Tannery Knobs. I'm like, mm -hmm. I hate to break it to you, but you, you're, you're a, a cyclist. cyclist. <laughs> um, do you have a bike rack on your car? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Does it live on your car more than it's off? Yeah. I mean, these are just the simple telltale signs of it. Um, but that project, massive. So, so now the leverage story continues. You know, Buffalo Mountain is a thousand acre plus of city parcel that's been largely underused for 50 years. So the opportunity for city parcels to grow, build more trails for hiking and otherwise, like it's not just biking. We always say mountain bike optimized. That's because we're the babies. Like you can't climb a flight of stairs on a bicycle. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So bike optimized means it's possible to ride a bike on. You can walk up a flight of stairs. So trails certainly can be multi-use. And, you know, this is something that's not a new idea. You can multi-use trails all over the mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the National Forest. Again, Buffalo is this massively underutilized chunk of the National mm -hmm. Forest with, with basically nothing in it. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at places like Pisgah, which is the same mountain range, other side of the squiggles, and uh, you've got, you know, this massive infrastructure of people who, who come 
and spend money and heads in beds in hotels, fill up their cars with gas, eat at restaurants, buy bicycles. And yet we're on the other side with kind of this just blank canvas, which mm -hmm. is extremely inspiring to the opportunities that we have to do something in it. We just haven't. And, and partly because we probably haven't had a reason to for the last 50 years. There wasn't people. There wasn't enough people. There wasn't enough buy-in to be able to build those communities. So something as simple as, as Trek gives you know, yielding to things like Tannery Knobs, gives yielding to the Taco Trek, gives yielding to the Tweetsie Trail, mm -hmm. um, hopefully can start to work onto something like on a buffalo platform, which then goes to the National Forest, and then the world is ours at that point. So, mm -hmm. so cool. There's always the end game in play. <laughs> think it would take though to turn the culture enough that people were commuting to work on their bikes that's a whole nother animal it really is it really is and i um and i live in elizabethan sure. and i think about it all the time i think why can't i just ride my bike because <laughs> i my I, my office is five minutes from my house sure i was like why can't i just ride my bike here well it's not getting there that matters because it's all downhill but then i think about i get off work and i'm tired and my brain is tired and then i have to get up the hill and it looks like it might rain <laughs> and and you know and it's it's daunting to me thinking about crossing the road yeah. um in elizabethan and i and i think and i start and then i look at pictures of amsterdam right mm. <laughs> and i think what would it take mm. that's so a true what, question what do you think it would take yep well and you know bike lanes are in chicago uh -huh. that horrible city i mentioned earlier i uh, love yeah. chicago. <laughs> i'm just so sad i'm so sad chicago With one tree because one i tree. will go to chicago <laughs> just to go to chicago uh it's fantastic but they have bike uh, lanes right? they have bike lanes yeah. yes right. but bike lanes are a painted stripe on the street that is, there is nothing not intimidating about that like i am protected by paint um <laughs> yeah. that i hope other people abide by like those bike lanes are very intimidating mm. um when when people reach a financial decision as opposed to an emotional decision on why they choose to commute to work mm -hmm. different because it's like man i just i'm not gonna even own a car and and commute around and things like that i can do public transportation and of course now the world's a very different place for public transportation mm -hmm. so yeah i think those are the gimmies because the infrastructure i keep using that word but is there like i could get there by bike and not have to worry about it the tweetsie trail is kind of unique because that's kind of a highway connecting elizabeth right. into johnson city like it's a true thoroughfare right. um but when it's like if you if everybody just rode their bike because it's a beautiful sunny day because right. most of our trips I don't know what the statistic is always super high of how many trips are less than two miles from your home uh, I drove to work today I live behind ETSU mm -hmm. uh, and I you know bicycles like kind of my thing so like yeah. again I don't even find myself but it was also really crappy today so like I don't want to ride my bike today right. yeah. but if you just ride on those fancy nice beautiful days okay. um, start there and then see where it grows but, but the answer to your question is also e-bikes um, and that is and I, and I was like oh I hope we talk yep, about e-bikes because I bought my husband an e-bike conversion kit sure. off of Amazon sure. it didn't work it went back it, <laughs> went, it had to go, to go back <laughs> and so I was going yeah. to ask you, I was like, do you, how is the e-bike business? Unbelievable. I mean, we're not there yet, but we will be half our business in e-bikes um, by 2025. Uh, honestly, next year, I think, well, this year's, uh, well, I don't yeah, know what to do with wash. this year. It's a I, wash. All the data's garbage. I have yeah. no idea what to do with it. You're killing it this year. Well, I yeah. hear. There, I mean, there, yeah, there are more people on bikes now than any other point in history. Well, an outside never closed. You can, it doesn't, I don't think it's just bikes, kayaks, RVs. 
motorcycles out, anything that gets you outside, those industries, uh, I guess, true to form. RVs, yeah, RVs and boats. Yeah, can't I mean, buy one. Crazy. Nope, can't yeah. get one even if you want it. Doesn't matter yeah, how much you want to spend. Not a used one. Mm-hmm. So with all these new people riding bikes, um, I won't skip past the e-bike topic, but um, you know, again, what a great opportunity to, to keep these people riding. Right. Because um, as the world returns to normal, um, we would love for that to not be a new normal. We want to we want to keep everybody outside, keep doing all mm-hmm. these things, and invest in in having new ways to do it. And e-bikes, I mean, it's it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to bikes. I f- I believe it in my soul. I rode just one nice. in in New York City through Central Park last year, sure. and I was just like, "It's fun. Awesome. It's just, you giggle like a little kid." <laughs> Uh, and how many purchases an adult give us that experience again? Yep. Uh, no, I'd argue none of them do. Even when you buy a nice car, it's, man, this is really nice. God, it's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, I got to pay for this thing now and all that stuff. It's hard to get something that truly makes you giggle. I mean, literally giggle. Like you Joy. will laugh out loud. And then you'll remember that I said that was going to happen. You're going to laugh even more because now I'm actually laughing by myself in the middle of nowhere right. riding these things. But it makes cycling accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, running is a horrible thing as well. You only do it if something's chasing you. We all know this. Uh, but... If I go out to run, um, and my wife is a big runner, uh, and I can run uh, 30 seconds on day one, that's not fun at all. And then it hurts, like after the 30 seconds. Then eventually you do a minute, then you do five minutes, then you do your first mile, and you're like, oh my gosh, I ran a mile. And then everything hurts, and then you take time. It's so slow, but that instant gratification of I did more is what keeps people attracted to Mm. something as simple as running. Things that take too long, we're adults, we we don't have time to see these long-term goals. I need instant gratification. So in the cycling world, we struggle with that because you get on a bike, we ride three miles and it hurts and it takes forever. And I don't really want to ride three miles ever again. Three miles is also not fun. I didn't go anywhere. Or anything. I didn't even get to like the bridge on the Tweetsie Trail or anything like that. So e-bikes, we can get on it right now. Every single person in this room, we can ride the entire Tweetsie Trail to Elizabeth and have and lunch back. at the coffee company. Yeah. Turn around and ride and come back. We're going to use very different levels of assist. Right. We will all do it. And we've all ridden a bike. Our heart rates are all where they need mm-hmm. to be. We're all at like 130, but we're not at 190. We're <laughs> ready to throw up and no mm-hmm. one's having any fun anymore. We're not like calling our friends to yeah. come pick us it's up. It's just <laughs> not it. And we've ridden the entire our Tweetsie Trail. We got the experience that we actually it. wanted out of it. Uh-huh. And we've all done it together. It's so inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, price is, of course, a large reason on why e-bikes haven't taken off. Accessibility, like legalities can be challenging. Luckily, here in East Tennessee, in Tennessee as a whole, we actually have a, well, it's a whole other conversation. But you can ride e-bikes a lot of places here. But other places, specifically out west, you know, these are old laws, like pickles you can't sell on Sunday if they break after two feet or mm-hmm. something like that. But it's... Uh, for a 50 years, if it was motorized, it was classed as a motorcycle because mm-hmm. you didn't need any other definition. It was perfect. Right. Now these e-bikes come out that you have to pedal. Right. It's very much a bicycle. They don't go any faster than other bicycles do. So we have to rewrite laws to say, all right, all right, this is what a class one e-bike is. This is what a class two e-bike is. This is what a motorcycle is. And we all know public opinion moves much faster than politics. Mm-hmm. So it's just... It's slow. In true good old-fashioned American culture, everything is illegal first, and then we revisit it later. But like, all right. Okay, that wasn't so Maybe bad. We, we, okay. can let it, we can let it go now. Yeah. And, and that's really what we're kind of living through with e-bikes in the United States. In places like you mentioned, come full circle now okay. to Amsterdam, okay. e-bikes, I mean, it's it's 90% of the well, New York City is yep. too. I Absolutely. was trying yep. to figure Florida. out in New York, because it had been a few years since we'd been to yeah. New York City, and all of the bikes had these boxes on them mounted to i don't know my bike terminology sure. but you know the the it, triangular frame that yeah. was on the back side of the, the saddle triangle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and i was just like what is 
that. Yeah. And then just, my husband goes, oh, that's a battery. That's an e-bike. I said, well, they're all e-bikes. And yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah. So um, so we decided we were going to try one, yeah. and we rented one. It had a horrible seat, by the way. <laughs> I like a good, cushy yeah, sure. seat. It needs to feel like, you know, the recliner. <laughs> but... Um, but we were, and it was, it was amazing. It is. And that's exactly the, the experience that everyone has. You mm-hmm. cannot ha- not have fun on an e-bike. And it, you know, we live in the mountains, so everywhere you go is up. There, there's nothing flat here, period. Even the Tweetsie mm-hmm. Trail, for that matter. But it makes things like forest roads accessible. People don't ride on forest roads. They're terrible. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Spectacular yes. bike paths. Yep. That are, I was going to say nature made them, but I guess that's not true. Still, they go to these incredible views, mm-hmm. no traffic, mm-hmm. all over the place. hundred miles of them in Washington County alone. So much access for bike paths that we don't even consider because it would be terrible on a yes. mechanical bike. Yeah. But now e-bikes give all of us access to that. The The backdrop of our store has this spectacular scene from the fire tower on Buffalo Mountain. Oh. And I'm always blown away when people walk in. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. Where was that taken? I'm like, are you kidding me? You can uh-huh. see it it's from here. It's there. Yeah. Like that. You've never been there? Uh-huh. Um, and you can kind of drive to that. So it actually really does make it accessible. But then, of course, we set people up on e-bikes. I'm like, I'm going to tell you this really cool like pro tip. You can park at the bottom, and then I want you to ride this e-bike to the top. You're going to pedal your butt off. You are definitely going to work for it, but it's possible, uh-huh. and it will be within your realm, I promise you. And then you're going to see this amazing view, and you're going to ride back to town. Like, where else can you do that? Yeah. I generally don't know where else that's an opportunity. And e-bikes make it possible where it's just impossible in any other way. It's just not going to happen. That's all there is to it. Well, it's possible for the hardcore. And again, we're talking 1%. Right. It's too small of a percentage to build a culture around. That just is Or impossible. to maintain a business around. Yeah, without a doubt. We need right. the 99% and of people who don't ride bikes at all well, yeah. to try to ride bikes. Yeah, exactly. We have some teens who want to talk to you. Definitely. And Perfect. so we're going to let, bring them in. And as we do, maybe you can share one nugget for someone who's, uh, they've got questions of their own. Sure. But of uh, a nugget of, of what it was like to walk into a city where you saw something that no one else was seeing or if very few were seeing. Sure. And, and people are doing that wherever they are in their own lives. And if it's not, it has nothing to do with the bike. Yeah. A tip that you would give to them as we bring in the teens and we move out. I'm curious about it. Yeah, you bet. The, I don't always like to tell this analogy, and I feel like I stole it from someone, but since I can't remember, I'm going to claim that it's mine. It's your own. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's the story of, like, when you go into a hardware store and you want to buy a drill, nothing could be further from the truth. I need to make a hole in something. The drill is the thing that I think I need to buy to be able to get to the level of putting the hole in the thing. Um, and I think that's the way we've approached bikes and certainly our business is the goal is to sell bikes. We, we do need to sell them. That is a vital piece of the way we make money. But if we approach it in, that's not why anybody buys a bike. They buy it because they have something in their head, whether it's keeping up with their friends. They sell something on Red Bull. They're doing something awesome that's showing them. That's actually, that's their <laughs> drilling the hole part of it. Mm-hmm. We just need to figure out what products get them there. But also, we have to set them up for success. We have to make sure they have the accessories that make it actually do the thing that they want to do. Um, we need to make sure that they know where to go and a where to go right. A comfy seat is a very important <laughs> piece of a bicycle. So when we approached our business as the end result as opposed to the product, um, we saw we just saw a massive turn in the way people buy products with us um, because they'll come in and, and everybody has a budget. I have a budget. No one has an unlimited budget. It'd be awesome if you have an unlimited budget, but that is never, unfortunately, the case. And we always try to outbuy skill. Imagine if you could buy golf clubs that kept the ball in the fairway. It would be yeah. spectacular. Uh, it'd make golf more fun because I'm like, I don't know, at least I could just play as opposed to whatever it is I do when I go out there. Um, 
but you can't. You can't outbuy skills. So unfortunately, we have to develop those skills. And that's the way we've approached our business is making sure that our customers are truly set up for success in where to go, what to do it. And yeah, you are going to need this thing to be able to go do it uh, when you get there. And I have yeah. a lot more analogies, but I'll stop with that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah it makes sense. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say uh, as we came on, um, hi, uh, my name is Elijah Smith. Uh, nice to meet you guys. Yeah. Um, so... I, I first wanted to start out with something that I had been thinking of, which you kind of talked about, um, which is this area. A lot of people think of this area of the United States as not being necessarily a super athletic you bet. group of people. <laughs> you have, yeah, the Southern comfort food, not typically the most athletic people. And that is somewhat true. But as between hiking before it was morally hiking. Sure. Um, and now it's moving into biking. I kind of see that stereotype moving away and, um, you know, you're a huge part of that in the sense that we now have this community of, um, this exercise that is not only exercise that everyone can do, but it's also fun and it's becoming a community type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. The the stereotypes become that way because at some point they were true. That's yeah, what exactly. a stereotype is. But I, I go back to the idea that in Chicago, no one has ever heard of Johnson City other than the country song. Um, no idea where it's at um, ever, ever heard of it in their life. Never heard of Knoxville again. I, I have to bring that one up. Like no one knows where East Tennessee is. When I say I'm from uh, Tennessee, what do you think the first thing they ask? I'm like, oh, cool. Like Nashville? Like that? No, that's like nine. Like you yeah. could literally pivot Tennessee in Nashville and we'd be in Canada. Like that's how far away from that is. But that's belt buckles, country music. There's no mountains. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful town. Nothing right. like East Tennessee at all. So this perception on where we live and the amenities we have, unfortunately, I think bleeds into where we are. Again, going back to the view in the back of the store that people have never seen. Right. And it's like, you should do stuff. Like there's amazing things out there, but it's because people don't know. They don't know that we have all these amazing hiking things to go do and bike things to do. When it gets shoved down our throats, like they just spent a lot of money to build a mountain bike park in the middle of town. Like that must kind of be a thing here, I guess, if people are doing it and maybe I will go check it out and I'll see the view and maybe I'll try a bike on it. It's easy to adopt. It's the Bentonville argument where it's yeah. just like, it was there and people started to do it. They have beautiful marketing that came out of Bentonville. And one of them I can't remember the girl's name. It's a very unique name. Um, but she talks about the fact that why they're asking her why she got into mountain biking. It's a little documentary type thing. And she's like, well, people started building trails everywhere. And I thought, well, I should probably just try the trail thing. And I'm like, wow, this is really great. And there's trails everywhere. And then became this big advocate and all these types of things. We do what's easily inaccessible to us. So um, when marketed properly and businesses are part of that equation, we have to be the marketers because we have the people coming in to buy the bikes. Um, and as we continue to tell people, you should go ride a bike, go here, have this awesome experience. We'll build you an amazing trail to make sure it's going to give you the experience you really wanted. So you feel like you're doing the Red Bull stuff, even if you're just cruising down a bike path. It's like, sure. But we got yeah. you to the idea that was in your head that right. said, I want to be awesome like those people. And things like fitness and stuff just take over. Yeah. Uh, even with the e-bike thing, like, again, you're still very much pedaling a bike. It makes it accessible, makes it available for people to do. And if we start kids on bikes, I mean, geez, if I grew up with a tannery knobs in my backyard, come on, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and, and those, they're going to be cyclists. They're going to have lifelong cycling love because they grew up quite literally doing that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, you know, we threw rocks at cars when I was a kid. I don't know. I'm just not that old. <laughs> but uh, we didn't have a tannery knobs uh, at all. We didn't have a tannery knobs within five hours of us. Um, so it just wasn't possible for us. So I think that's how you break those stereotypes is just 
telling people where they're at and setting people up for success. So again, when I go hiking, just hiking, you got to go here. Like, don't go here. I know this one gets a lot of attention, but you're going to be surrounded by 800 other thousand people and it's really rugged and it's just not what you want. Go here. No one goes here. It's the Dunkin' Donuts story where she was like, oh, no, no, go to this place. Trust me. Like, this is where all the locals go. Um, but, you know, from a marketing a city, at some point, this secret fishing hole, we, we kind of do want people yeah. to know about the secret fishing hole, just not too many people to know about it. Or build lots of secret fishing holes so everybody has one to go enjoy yeah i agree i agree i just turned my mic on i realized it was off that whole time oh. anyway <laughs> i think it's really cool that you at the truck store are offering that package deal like when someone is buying a bike yep. you also have a lot to offer with tips on location and where, what to enjoy in the area it's a big deal we, we actually made a website uh mtb m is in monkey so like mountain bike tennessee mtbtn.com and it's just a trail finding website we did it because it didn't really exist, or if it did exist, it was far too uh, diverse. Because there's trail mapping softwares, for example, and I know this is mountain bike specific, but it was like um, it would just show you five thousand million trails, and it's like, well, I don't know what to do any of that information? It's too much information. It's reading the encyclopedia all in one giant poster, you know. Um, I need to know where I was looking for it. So we developed that to say, hey. You're a first-time mountain biker. Go to here, and then you're definitely going to go here, and then you're going to want to go here afterwards, and I promise all of these are going to be within your skill set, and it's going to be exciting. You're going to have a great time. And, of course, what happens is people come back to us and be like, oh, I totally went to that place you said, and it was awesome, just as if you had a great experience at a restaurant. It's like, go to this place, order this thing. I'm telling you, it's amazing. And then people want to engage with you. I'm like, you're not going to believe it. I had that thing, and it really was that great. Or, or maybe it wasn't. It was terrible, and you don't know what you're talking about. Either way, it developed a relationship. Because all that happened is if we just turned people into the world and said, go experience mountain biking, all they would do is go to the most hardcore, rugged, awesome trail they saw in some magazine, have a terrible experience, never want to ride their bike again. And then that's it. That's, it's a done point at that because they didn't get the experience that they expected when they got into it. So it's the full circle experience of not just the product, but what the heck do I do with it after I get it? Um, and that's short of just teaching people how to ride bikes. Yeah. That's as close as we could get. That that. Happened to us actually. So we went to Snowshoe Mountain over the summer. There you right? go. <laughs> As you know, it's a snowboarding and ski mountain. However, yeah. in the summer, it's a really popular mountain biking yeah, area. Um, so we really were doing it for the first time ever, and we thought we were taking the easy trail, but we made a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah. And we were going down um, an intermediate to advanced trail, yep. which was a mistake. I ate the dirt. Elijah was just shooting down the mountain fast <laughs> to try to get it over with it was crazy so we we were going on the easy trail and there oh, were like street? signs yep. and everything yes. mm -hmm. we completely missed it <laughs> um and we went down where like the uh atvs were supposed to go down where like people yeah. can just go up and down the mountains i think it like was the called the gandy dancer or something it wasn't even a trail it was just like <laughs> so there were like Access big road. rocks and stuff and like places where it was washed out and we're like <laughs> holding on for our dear lives as we're going down like the steep side of the mountain it was a interesting way to that was an exhilarating day it. It that is. mountain biking is a lot yeah it is really fun yeah you didn't i didn't realize like from the beginning of the day like almost i, I don't bike that often sure. so by the end you know you're doing a blue and you feel like mainly because the bikes there you know you rent them are yeah. really really good helps um <laughs> gives you kind of superpowers by the end you feel like you can do anything which is a little bit dangerous and but you've got those giant helmets on and all the elbow and knee pads you feel indestructible oh. whether yeah. or not you are yeah and and snowshoe is a perfect example because snowshoe is by nothing i mean it's five hours from any major city in the world including yeah. you know mm -hmm. us um 
But in the summertime, um, they go after bikes. And Beach Mountain does that. Sugar Mountain does that. We also have Bailey Mountain, which is 30 minutes from Johnson City that only does bikes year-round, never becomes a ski resort. Um, and then there's a place called Canuga, which my wife and I just went over the last few days. It's in Hendersonville, a little, little town kind of east of, well, wherever. It's in the it's in the beautiful nothingness of North Carolina down there. And that whole facility is actually designed around e-mountain bikes. So they don't have shuttles or chairlifts. You rent or bring your e-bike and you just pedal your butt up to the top every time. I mean, oh, you could do it wow. on a mechanical bike too, of course, but it's, it's obviously much faster, much more fun if you use those e-bikes. So again, the snowshoe effect um, shows that anyone can go in as long as you're on the right trail, the green trails, and then eventually the blues, you can have that very purpose-built experience of like, okay, this builds my confidence. This builds my confidence. That's too far, too far back. Okay, but confidence again. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you've ridden things that are more anything that you did. But if you just covered your eyes and picked a trail, you can imagine how horrible of an experience oh, that yeah. would be. The other side oh. of the mountain is just... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which is why they, I mean, they host a, like Red Bull events and stuff like the UCI world. They have huge races at snowshoe. Yeah. So that's how the caliber of trails they have, but uh, you can't just pick one and go for it. And some people can do that. You can get in over your head and somehow have fun enough to where you're like, okay, that was a lot, but I kind of want to do it again. Sure. I think a vast majority of the people are like, screw that. I never want to do it again. I felt dumb the whole time. Like, I, I don't ever want to ski or ride a bike or whatever it is. Um, so that level of progression is vital to the success of you having why you bought a bike to begin with, or maybe even why you would want to buy a bike. You go to a place, rent a bike like that, have an awesome experience, and then eventually you want to buy a bike, which is kind of our thing. So yeah, it comes right. all the way That's around. That's when you guys come in before. Yeah. Again, it is a business. We are supposed to make money. That's yep. how it works. Yeah. So a big part of um, what we do in this segment is we kind of talk about how this would rela relate to kind of teens our age. And I just wanted to get your opinion on the importance of teen fitness and how this could relate to bike and also how you plan for teenagers to get and, and people younger than sure. that too, to um, get involved in mountain biking and just biking in general. You bet. Oh, geez. There's a lot of answers for something like that. It's a great question though, because that is kind of the, you're in the demographic we worry about the most. Um, because later in life, it, it probably happens when our kids get into cycling or we just have nothing else to do and come up with reasons on why we want to ride bikes. Younger, it's part of American culture. People ride bikes. You get your training wheels off. This is a part of just growing up in life, um, which is really cool because when it comes back later in life, there's something very nostalgic about the fact that it's like, yeah, I remember when I rode bikes. Like bikes are awesome. Like I forgot where bikes are awesome. And then you guys happen and there's all this other stuff that you get to be able to do at the same time. So keeping any interest in a thing, let alone cycling, is going to be really challenging for us. And really, NICA, which is high school mountain bike racing, um, nationwide program, I think it's available in every state now, or pretty darn close to it. And we just got our first several teams the last few years here in East Tennessee. So now seeing it as not just a recreational avenue, but a actual competitive avenue is a large portion on why people develop these lifelong things of sports. You play baseball in high school and you're probably going to be in baseball for the rest of your life. If you're and not necessarily playing baseball, but you're going to have that click to it. If you were a track runner, you're probably going to be a runner the rest of the way. So helping develop it and keep the healthy dialogue of Cycling can be competitive. Sometimes that ruins it. Sometimes it makes it better. It depends on the person. But um, there is no gap in something like that anymore. And then lastly, it's just going to be making bikes accessible because bikes are freaking expensive. They just are. Anything is that you get into. And you, know, you get into a new sport, it's $1,000. It just is. By the time you get all the widgets and gizmos, and that's a big investment that we're trying to appease. And I understand like not everybody can invest in those types of things. So we're going to start off on used bikes or a friend's bike or a parent's bike or whatever. But it's still making sure 
sure that you have access, easy access, like Tannery. You could go there as soon as we can get done here for, for just a half hour and go putz around on the trails for a little while and then go on with the rest of your day. I think that's how we do it. We make sure that we can't help you with the bikes. The bikes cost what the bikes cost. We yeah. can't really help with that. But if we can give you places that help justify that one-time investment so that it's easy enough that you'll actually use it, I think that develops a lifelong healthy culture of the fact that you're going to get out, I'm going to ride a bike. And then if we can keep that gap through those years, again, by the time we hit the post-college years, it's, it's stuck at that point. Now cycling is what I do to relieve stress, or I can do it with friends, or I can do it by myself. Sometimes that's really nice, too. I can slap my phone to the handlebars, or maybe I don't slap my phone to the handlebars. I can ride the Tweetsie Trail and just have fun and go to a date in Elizabethan and ride bikes there. Like That's a really cool experience that is totally different from others. We start to use bikes as part of our culture, our lifestyle, as opposed to just like, I'm going to go hand around X amount of miles until I puke. Like that's not really yeah. fun. Um, but I think if you could just get that shift at your age to realize bikes are part of a culture, I think that's how we get there. It's yeah. I think the, that's happening. It's worth the emotional and financial investment. You nailed it. Yep. Yeah. We make emotional purchases all the time. Your emotions are always involved. You buy a car, you are emotionally choosing one over the other. You pick a restaurant, a menu item, you emotionally chose what you hope that's going to be. But bikes are, are actually emotional, meaning that you're again, buying the experience, not the product. The product is just a means to the end. Yeah. Um, and if we can connect on that emotional level of like, I ride bikes because it doesn't matter what age group we are. Um, kids ride bikes because I can rip through my neighborhood and do sweet skids in the street or whatever. That's an emotional response. Adults, nostalgic, whatever it is, we just need to keep that level of emotional connection to bikes all the way along. And we you just can't fail at that point. And, and think how shifted the whole American culture would be if a vast majority of people rode bikes yeah. just on the beautiful sunny days. I'm not asking for anything more than that. Yeah. If it's awesome out, go ride your bike. If it's crappy out, don't ride your bike. Simple yeah. enough of an equation. But if it's nice outside and we're sitting inside, I want everybody like, God, I just wish I was outside riding my bike today. I'm like, we'll take that. That's a win. We'll start there. And then we'll get into something more as time goes on. Yeah. And like you said, for so many people, when it comes to fitness, if anybody could just get moving, and that's that's the biggest thing, just simply get moving. That's the first step. Um, for a lot of people, that's a step above what they're doing and then just realizing how easy it really is and how fun it can be. Yeah, you know, it can be a social thing. Without a doubt. I on, how many... agree and want to build off of what you said that it's the decisions that we make in teenage years that affect our health for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really, really is. But easy shifts, you have to rely on companies and brands like ours to help do the heavy lifting for you guys on that stuff too. Like we need to be involved. Yeah. All right. Um, um, so we have a fun game for you. Sweet. Does it involve singing? No. no. <laughs> a little disappointed, but okay. A little karaoke. Okay. We're going to play five second questions and you've got five. We're just going to fire got trivia it. questions at you and you've got five seconds. Sounds perfect. First. Sure. Yeah. All right. Ready? Got it. What do you call a group of unicorns? Unicornists. A blessing. <laughs> Coprostrastophobia is the fear of what? Unicorns. Constipation. In Georgia, it's illegal to eat what with a fork? Unicorns. Fried chicken. How many teeth does an Advark have? Seven, including the molars, it's 14. Zero. On a tandem or two-person bicycle, what is the common name for the rider on the front? So, in the front. Stoker's the person in the back. I don't know what the person in the front is. It's the captain. Ah, all right. Um, <laughs> the longest tandem bike ever built was how long? 105 feet. 
67 feet long. Do you like the confidence, though, that I give the answer? I I mean, I'm there. I am 100% devoted. You're going to get one of these right. It's going to be epic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The slow cycling record, um, which is where you just stay stationary. Um, What is the record? 72 minutes. Five hours and 25 minutes. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. 1965. Jeez. Um, What is the fastest speed ever recorded on a bicycle? 102 miles an hour. 152. So it's pretty oh close. Goodness. That's crazy. 152 miles per hour. That's too fast. In 1985 as well. So it was a while back. Yeah, we got to we got to get to 153. Yeah, that's it. ridiculous. And yeah. uh, final thing uh, is a would you rather? Um, <laughs> would you rather go biking like for an entire day without a helmet or without water at all? It's oh, like a super geez. hot day. No way I'd give a, the water. Yeah, you got to do a helmet. There, there's yeah. no way I would ride a bike without a helmet ever. Yeah. No question. That would suck without the water, though. That's a yeah, very good so question. Yeah, so you either hit your head or... Dive, well, I'd at least pass out with a helmet on. I feel it's still yeah. safer than the alternative. So I'm going to stick with a helmet. Sticking with the original answer. All right. Um, final thing. Uh, we just want to know where everybody listening to the podcast can find you. You bet. Well, we're everywhere. We're not hard to find. Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Um, trekbikes.com, of course, is our website. So trekbikes.com slash Johnson City will take you right to us. But um, again, Instagram, Facebook, follow us anywhere you'd like. We have a, a pretty uh, depth uh, to our social media following and the, the guys do a great job that are posting content to it all the time and um you know one of our favorite things is our new bike day pictures which we sell way more than 365 bikes a year so we can't post pictures every day i would get overdone but um i think there's nothing cooler than buying something that you're really passionate and love and then we get to post those pictures of everybody and of course our kids are always our favorite new bike day pictures and stuff yeah. that we post on there as well so it's cool and it also shows everybody else it's like hey i look like that person like these People are normal people and they're buying bikes. Like they're not all just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Spandex clad, whatever. It's like that person looks like me. I'm like, yeah, that's the people who ride bikes. Like, I don't know again what you guys think people bikes look like, but like everybody can ride bikes. So absolutely. Yep. Follow us, please. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Is there there anything else you'd like to say? Well, next year, uh, hopefully Taco Trek ride and biking and eggs and all the really cool things that have helped develop our culture and the things we've talked about will come back. Obviously, we've taken the year off of those types of things. And that was tough. It was a tough decision to not do those things. Um, So we're really looking forward to all that stuff coming back in the spring. So hopefully the world's in a much better place by then. And uh, we always start those in April. So start looking for hopefully all of our group ride schedules to kick back off in the early spring. And we're looking forward to riding with you then. It's awesome. It was great talking with you today. Thank yeah. you for being on Doing Good, the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jed. Hope you to bet. see you biking around town soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening to Doing Good, the podcast. And you can find us if you'd like to hear more at our website at we'redoinggood.com or on Facebook or Instagram at We're Doing Good. So please like our pages and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We all have something that we can be doing. So just take the first step. Everybody show some love and do some good. Have a great day.